Welcome back, Crazy Effing Mommy. I'm your host, Elise DeLucci, episode 131. We are here, New York, New York, baby, in my living room on the Upper East Side. You can consider it your living room for the next 40 minutes or so. How are you doing? How's your week? Valentine's Day. It's Valentine's Day weekend right now as I'm recording this. I should be in the Plaza Hotel, am I? No, but, you know, that's an issue. I'm having kind of... Uh, an interesting week. Lots of ups and downs, okay? <sighs> My dreams are all over the place. And no, I'm not one of these people. No offense like California. Because, you know, sometimes California people, they get a little crazy with the horoscopes and the dreams. Give me a break. But... I, I, my my dreams are all over the place. It's it, 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 it's it's highs, it's lows, it's positives, it's negatives. Completely anxious every single one of the dreams. But the fact of the day is that. So many amazing creative things do come from dreams. I think I mentioned it ages ago that Larry Page dreamt up Google. Well, you know what else came from dreams? The periodic table and the sewing machine. Who knew? Who knew people? And one of the things that dreams are responsible for are recharging your creativity which is interesting because, you know, I have a lot of negative dreams, but that's besides the point. Actually, there's a doctor. His name is Calvin Hall, uh, Dr. Hall. He, uh, for over the course of 40 years, he collected fifty th the dreams of 50,000 people, and he analyzed them all. And he said, uh, from a gender perspective, so this isn't me saying, talking about gender, if you know what I'm saying. From a gender perspective, he said women's dreams are uh, emotional, conversational. Uh, they tend to be uh, anxious. They tend to have a lot of rejection in them. Men's dreams tend to be more physical. But overall, across all genders, he did find that dreams do convey a lot of emotions and uh, the number one emotion that is was common amongst the 50,000 dreams and the research that he did was anxiety uh, and stress. And you know, by the by, certain medications can trigger this. Like, I have an anxiety disorder. I actually just added a, a book, a chapter, excuse me, in my book on mental health because what am I going to live my life or go through the, some of the things that I've gone through and come out completely unscathed? What are you, nuts? So I, I added a mental health chapter and, I, you know, I try to keep it light, but I do have an anxiety disorder and I do take Xanax when I need it. And uh, sometimes I notice if I take a Xanax, and I usually take a half because I'm very sensitive to medicine, when I take a half of Xanax, my dreams are wild, like so vivid. Not necessarily anxious, but just so vivid. Um, you know, and, and I wake up, but I want them to finish, and you know, the whole thing. And so certain medications can cause that. But anyway, I once had a shrink who advised me to keep a notebook um, next to my bed, a dream diary. I think I did it like once, but I mean, come on. Like, when you have kids, are you really going to sit there at, while your kid's like, Mommy, I need breakfast. Are you really going to be like, hold on, I'm writing in my dream diary. I mean, no, that's right. Maybe if, if you train yourself 
to wake up at like four in the morning, right? Like like mid-dream or something and just jot down anything you're thinking. I, I'm sure that could be a version of a dream diary or a version of some sort of a, 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 a journal that's tapping into your unconscious mind. But I don't do it. I should do it. And on the shrink note, there is a television show that you have to watch. It's called Stuts. Jonah Hill, the actor, we know, Beanie Feldman's brother. Remember Beanie played Funny Girl? You know, Fanny Bryce and Funny Girl on Broadway. Anyway, he made a documentary about his shrink, Dr. Phil Stutz. You're going to love this documentary if you haven't seen it. First of all, Dr. Stutz is a New Yorker. And so, you know, with the voice to match. And he's got a whole thing about him. And Jonah's only been seeing Dr. Stutz for five years. But he had such a positive impact on his life. uh, Changed his life. You know, Jonah Hill's brother had passed away. His older brother And when he started seeing Dr. Stutz, I think it was right after that horrific event. And uh, the documentary is about the tools and these visual little scratch drawings that Dr. Stutz does in session, right? And how uh, he, he, he doesn't do an old version of therapy, which is like, lie on the couch, tell me all my, tell me all your problems and I won't talk. Like, I don't have a therapist like that either. My, my, my current shrink, Dr. Long, who, by the way, is like on his way to retirement and, you know, I'm going to be in a deep depression then. But my Dr. Long reminds me of Dr. Stutz in the sense of he does more talking than I do. You know, he gives me tools. Anyway, what I love about the documentary is that they filmed it over like a six month period. Right? Like, because you can't, and, and it took place in session. But they said in the beginning of the documentary, it's, it, 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 we're doing this just in one session. But then it, it became ridiculous to Jonah. Like, why are we trying to um, tell the world all about these uh, emotional and mental tips and tricks? that changed my life, or tools even, because they're not tricks, tools, that changed my life. And here we are kind of fabricating the set and the whole thing. So what they did was they tore down the whole fake therapy office set and they just exposed, uh, you know, the green screen and the whole thing. And and it's, it's just so good. Dr. Stutz has Parkinson's disease. So I don't know if... Uh, the motivation was to um, genuinely share this stuff with the world. I think that was part of Jonah's, uh, of course, intention. But, you know, with Parkinson's, you know, maybe maybe he's not going to be around forever. You know, well, we're never, we're none of us are around forever, but you know what I mean. And um, And he just wanted to get it out now. And I loved it. I loved it. Dr. Stutz tells his story of growing up. He had also lost a brother. He talks about his Parkinson's disease. He talked about his father saying, if the only job I'll ever respect you having is a doctor. And he becomes a doctor. And he becomes a great one. And I learned so much from it. I, you just got to see it. Um, I have to ask you something, Jonah Hill. During the documentary, I noticed on your arm, you have a tattoo that says, Hello, Beanie. And it was very reminiscent of the Hello Dolly font. 
you know, Hello, Dolly, the musical about Dolly Levi starring the one and only Barbara Jones Streisand. Well, we all know Beanie's a big fan of Barbara. Like, did he get that tattoo as an homage to his sister slash Barbara? Just wondering, Joan. You don't have to get back to me. I should, you know what? I'm gonna, you do actually have to get back to me. I'm dying to know. I think it's an adorable tattoo. And by the way, as an older brother getting his sister's name tattooed on his arm, what a doll are you? What a catch. You need a girlfriend? Mm, just just wondering. Okay. Um, the reason why <laughs> I'm having such a fakakta week is because one of my girlfriends, um, who's from New York, she's from Long Island, and... Uh, you know, we both lived on the Upper East Side, like, forever. And then she moved out of state, down south. It was cheaper, whatever. She's a very successful business person. She has a child. She got divorced. She's dating a man, five years, older man, in his early 60s. Our lives always sort of paralleled each other, right? So she tells me, and I'm not saying in what I'm about to say parallels mine. I just want to tell you why I'm, I'm so all up in arms. So this guy at 62 years old starts telling her for the last, I don't know, couple of years. He wants to get married. He loves her. She's the love of his life, the whole thing. She wasn't planning on getting remarried. She started entertaining the idea, of course, when this man starts professing his love for her. He brought her a lot of joy. In the last, I don't know, nine months, was it, that she told me? He starts pulling back. He starts saying, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. It's not the right time. And I said to her, he's 62 years old. When is the right time for this guy? When he's on the embalmment table? Really? What are you doing? What are you doing? Five years with this girl? Five years? Is that, you think that's a good use of your time and her time just saying? And my friend is a real, she's a real hoot. She's she's the one that should be a comedian. She's like, Elise, we need an immediate disruption in our lives. We need to like fly to Costa Rica and lick some neon frogs. We need to get to Mexico, take some ayahuasca. We need to go to Sedona, get abducted by aliens. We need an effing disruption. We need a change. And I'm like, you are so, I keep wanting to say her name, but I, I keep pulling back. Um, you're so funny. I, I said, you should, why don't you just go on stage and just, you know, or go online. You, say, you know, people will listen. She says, at least, you know, I'm in business. I, I love when, by the way, I love when people tell me they're in business. I, I, I just, I love that. Anyway, she's like, you know, when I'm an amazing businesswoman, I love the arrogance. Like, cause I'm like that too. Like if, like every, it's a New York, it's a New York, it's a New York thing. Right? She's like, I'm in business. In one-on-one meetings, I murder. In a boardroom, I slay. But put me on a stage, and I need depends. I mean, like, the girl, she's so funny. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm just... So here's a woman. She's a little older than me. Had no intention of getting remarried. Okay? And then some guy walks along and she entertains the whole thing, the whole charade, right? 
and and then he he decides that he's not moving forward okay um I, I by the way and he's saying you're the love of my life I, I don't want to be without you all this kind of stuff I told her on the phone last night I would have more respect for him if he said I don't love you I just don't want to be married or you know I I, I want to date other girls or all you know whatever but that's not the case and that that's a problem you know the old let me listen young girl young girls if you're listening to this let me tell you something. the older the man is okay the harder it is going to be for them to commit they're stuck in their ways old dogs new tricks we've heard this a million times before so I don't know what's going on with her situation. She doesn't know what's going on with her situation. I just felt like I needed to, you know, kind of air it. I told her I was going to talk about it on the podcast. She said she didn't care. Just don't mention her name and, and her ex-husband's name. Of course not. You know, it just is crazy that you could be a woman or a man and you go through life and you're loving and you're healthy and you're successful and you have solid relationships and then all of a sudden something happens and it just knocks you onto the ground because you let maybe the wrong person in. And uh, I said to her, a real conversation needs to be had whenever you decide to talk to this character, right? You need to get it out on the table. What does he want for his future? Does he want you? Does he want to be married? What does he want? Does he want to retire in Boca? You know, and what do you want? Did marriage become important to you? You know? You know, a lot of times when this stuff happens, these people, they found somebody else. And I I would be really sad if that's the case because um, I love her and I'm just upset. And I even, like, I have tears in my eyes talking about it, you know, because I have my own issues. And it's like, all I want to say to... Uh, this guy, who who's 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 who who doesn't even know this podcast exists, is what's the matter? Like she's not good enough for you. What her gorgeousness isn't good enough for you. Her personality, her authenticity, her fabulousness, her business acumen. What's the matter? Like what's the matter? You know what? A lot of people have handicaps that we just don't see. That's the thing. That really is the thing. Oh please, and you know of course. Of course, me. I'm. I'm like you know, getting off the phone. You know, we're doing. By the way, we were we were texting on the phone and doing voice text. I'm new to voice text. I know, like I know from the Stone Age. But I, 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 I got off the phone. I said, you know, what? do yourself a favor, make yourself a little bowl of cacio e pepe. Okay, that's what all the Romans eat, and they're all gorgeous. And I have to talk about cacio e pepe because I did. Did you grow up having this dish, this macaroni dish? I didn't. 
I, I didn't grow up having cacio e pepe. All it is, it's uh, the like the Italian version of macaroni and cheese. It's like Parmesan cheese with um, with with black pepper in it, right? It's the easiest thing to make. They make it all over Rome. I had it at Roma Sparita. That was the restaurant that I had mentioned last week. Anthony Bourdain's favorite restaurant. God rest his soul. And um, this, if you want to make it, this is how they told me to make it. Very easy. You get a pot of water, salt the water, bring it to a boil, and then the macaroni that you use, a bucatini, an egg tag, tag, an egg tag, okay, let me do over. You get the, the, the pot of water, you salt the water, you bring it to a boil. The macaroni you use, a bucatini, an egg tagliatelle, a regular tagliatelle, you can use a fettuccine, a linguine, a spaghetti, you can use anything you want while the macaroni is cooking. And make sure that water is very salted. You know what I'm saying? In a small little saucepan on the side, heat up two tablespoons of butter, okay? Grind some fresh uh, black, grind some fresh black pepper. Why can't I talk today? You know know why? Because I haven't had enough coffee. Okay, two in the saucepan, two tablespoons of butter. Grind some fresh black pepper into the mix. Take a half a cup of that salted pasta water while it's, you could do it while it's cooking, you know, use the thing that, that, you know, the, I have like a Corningware measuring cup. I just dump it right into the thing. Anyway, use, take the half a cup of pasta water, dump it into the saucepan with the, the pepper and the butter, swirl, swirl it around, bring it to a, a boil and then turn it off. When your macaroni is done boiled, you know, al dente, whatever, drain that stuff, put it back into the big pot, take your little bit of the sauce that you made on the side, dump it into the macaroni pot, and then you're going to take three quarters cup of grated Parmesan cheese and then three quarter cup of uh, Pecorino Romano cheese, and you're going to take your tongs and you're just going to do this. I'm doing the tongue motion, you know, doing the tongs, doing the tongue. That's all you're going to do. And then you plate it. And maybe when you plate it, maybe you want a little extra bit of palm on there. Maybe you want a little bit of extra pepper on there. You know what I'm saying? It's so good. It's so comforting. But it's not something I grew up eating. I don't know. Maybe we're, we're, my family's from Naples. My mother probably, we, we ate pasta fazool. We ate pasta fazool. And maybe my mother thought Parmesan cheese and black pepper was too sharp for a child's taste buds, you know, not my British kid as she's the thing she asked for, you know, constantly blowing my mind. But um, <laughs> another dish I never had growing up is fettuccine Alfredo. I actually made it like four or five years ago. And I got to be honest with you, it was delicious. It was very similar to kind of this recipe I just gave you, kind of omitting the, the, the black pepper. But I never ate fettuccine Alfredo growing up. I do not think it's a Southern Italian thing. I think, it, it, I, I don't know where the hell it comes from. In fact, every time I'm in the supermarket and I'm in the macaroni aisle and I see the jars of sauce, you know, on the shelf and I see like the Classico uh, fettuccine Alfredo sauce. This is exactly what goes through my head. It's like I have an out-of-body experience. I reach up and I grab the fettuccine Alfredo sauce from the shelf. I open it up. 
I take the sauce in both hands and I start smearing it all over my body, my bubs, my hips, my waist, my hands. Because you want to know what? Because when you eat that, that's exactly where it goes. It goes inside your body. It lands on all those those hippie, bumpy, curvy places, and it doesn't come off. And the only thing that's going to get off fettuccine Alfredo sauce is walker ladies, walk girls, liposuction. That's right. I, I can't do it. I can't do it. As much as I love it, I, I don't eat it. And it has more cheese than cacio e pepe. But for some reason, you know, the Romans, the Italians, you know, in Italy, they're... Uh, <laughs> They eat this stuff, but they, they don't eat big portions. So they're svelte and gorgeous. You know what I'm saying? I mean, when I say a serving of macaroni, they're not having an Olive Garden serving of macaroni. You know, they're not using the giant soup bowls and loading it up with the cacio e pepe. They, they, they're having like a, a half a coffee cup size of, of pasta. You know, and then maybe some bread or whatever, maybe a vegetable on the side, whatever. Anyway. You know what I liked when I was in Italy? I liked that some of the restaurants I went to had a tablecloth. That's the thing, the, the, the tablecloth. It's, it's, not, it's not really in existence these days, you know? When's the last time you went and sat at a restaurant with a proper white tablecloth? You know, sometimes you go to restaurants and they got they have like the maroon tablecloths, like the Italian restaurants. Why? Why are you doing maroon? Why? Is I know because you you what like you thought that that was like hot in the eighties. Is that why? Is it because you thought like it would maybe hide any like stains or schmutz or whatever? White is the way to go. But sometimes I'll go to restaurants and they have the tablecloth on, and then over they have the 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 paper over it, right? But not a proper white tablecloth. I appreciate that. In Italy, there was tablecloths on the tables. I am a tablecloth lover. Right now, I got the Valentine's Day cloth going. I mean, I got it at the tree. Who cares? I mean, you know, so it was like 99 cents and it's pink and it's got the red flowers on it, whatever. Red roses. And then I have a, a lace table runner. So I have the pink plastic tablecloth, 99 cents from the tree with the red roses, the red hearts on it. And then I top it with the white lace table runner. And then on top of that, I put the plastic. One of my girlfriends, she saw my table. She's like, boy, why do you have plastic on top of plastic? Like, do you know how crazy this is? I said, I don't want to ruin my tablecloth. She's like, it's 99 cents from the tree. Go buy yourself another one. I said, no, I'm not doing that. I got a friend whose mother's still putting up Care Bear birthday decorations for her kids. Her kids are in the 40s. She saved this. She saved them for 40 years. This woman's so rich. Okay. Yeah, um, uh, thank you. I, the plastic on top of the plastic is how I like to roll. That's what I do. But I love a good tablecloth. I do. And I'm sad. I'm sad that white cloth dining experiences are only reserved for some institutions that feel the need to charge $9,000 for a meal. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what? You can't have an affordable meal and a proper, properly dressed table, you know? Anyway, it's just my opinion. People are like, 
Tablecloths are so unnecessary. Yeah, okay, maybe they are, but a lot of things go on under the tablecloth. Like, you can unbutton your pants. How about that? And nobody sees, okay? Or you can, like, sit, like, all weird. If you want to, like, cross your legs or, like, sit on your knees. I don't know. Nobody sees. The tablecloth is important. I think we should bring it back, okay? The other thing on the food note that I didn't tell my girlfriend, but I, I'm going to have to text her, is that because, you know, She's Italian, and she loves artichokes, just like we all do. And when I was in the motherland, they had these uh, carciofi romanesco, Roman artichokes. These are purple artichokes, huge artichokes, purple, with a little tinge of green. If you go to the grocery store and you see these, ask them if they are Romanesco artichokes and if they are, buy one. And I'm going to tell you why. They look, and let me just say this. They So we have in our stores the green globe artichokes, the big giant ones. Sometimes you might see, if you go to a fancy store, maybe Whole Foods, maybe you'll see the small little artichokes with the long stem. These, This is not what it is. They look like the big globes, but they're purple. They are fuzz free. They do not contain the inedible furry choke inside this vegetable okay growing up and still even this year at Christmas you know we have the stuffed artichokes every single year right like this year my sister she didn't want to even though everything's crazy expensive she didn't want to go without having them I think she paid something ridiculous like $9.99 a pound or something for, for the globe artichokes right she stuffed them with the, the 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 parmesan cheese and the breadcrumbs and the olive oil and the garlic whatever and she made them and they were very good and maybe she made six slice them in half as we do and then when they're on the platter we all do the exact same thing we all rush to get one one of the ones that are the most stuffed because everybody loves the breadcrumbs because we're all a bunch of fat asses and then two which one has the piece the the largest piece of the heart sticking out right you could you could tell right because some some of the cuts the cuts not even right some of them don't have as much heart the problem, though, with the green globe artichokes, you know, we all know this, is they're delicious, but you got to get through that furry choke. So you got to get your spoon and you got to like dig out the fur, right? And then you get to the heart of the artichoke, which is uh, tender and beautiful. And you, it's like butter, actually, right? It's like butter. Well, that's what we know and that's what we love, right? But in Rome, Carciofi alla Romana, they explained how they made them to me. Very similar to how we make artichokes, right? The Italian-Americans, how we make the stuffed artichokes, but they don't use breadcrumbs. So what they do is they take the big the big uh, purple artichoke, they hack off the, the top, you know, any of that, that, the top narrow spiky bits, whatever. They just hack that shit right off, open it up, wash it. And then they stuff it with garlic and herbs and a little olive oil, no breadcrumbs. Maybe they throw a little cheese in there. They didn't say that. I would throw a little cheese in there. I have issues. Cheeseaholic. Anyway, so then they, and and let me say this, they take a peeler and they, they gently peel the stem. They do not chop the stem off. They just gently peel off the outer skin of the stem. Now they get their big pot, right? They put the artichokes upside down, 
right? So the stems are all sticking up. And then they fill it maybe a quarter of the way with white wine, little water, whatever, salt, pepper, the whole thing. And then they cover it. They leave it the cover off a little tiny bit. And they basically steam or poach the carciofi Romanesco. I don't know how long. I couldn't understand what the guy was telling me. I'm sure we could look it up. And I didn't make it. And when I do, I'll tell you. But the result was the artichoke that arrived at my dish was the most tender, delicious thing I've I've had like ever. Like it blew a globe artichoke out of the water. It, there was no scraping my teeth on the leaves. I literally just cut it right in half and I just ate the entire thing. And I don't have to worry about choking on any farm. You know what I'm saying? You can actually buy, if you have a green thumb, you could buy seeds for these purple artichokes, these Romanesco artichokes. I can't do it on fire escape gardening. I mean, come on, how ridiculous is that? Can you imagine if all of a sudden I open my window in the summer and I'm growing Carchofi Romanescos out there? People are going to be like, this girl, she's crazy. Somebody likes, come at her, please. Come at her to Mount Sinai. So it was amazing and I loved it. If, if I could find them in the stores, I'm going to buy them. If you could find them, uh, you you have to you have to get it you have to let me know how it is um and by the way he did tell me when you when you serve them you can also cut them in half he takes the juice from the pot pours it on top of these very tender artichokes as well as a fresh drizzle, drizzle of olive oil i mean that's a meal right there Maybe with a little salad, maybe even with a little, little garlic and oil, little little half a mug, <laughs> half a mug of uh, you know fettuccine or something, you know, in the artichoke. I mean, does that not sound delicious? Really, get a couple, maybe even toast a little breadcrumbs, sprinkle that over. I mean, come on, I can't. It all comes back to food, you know. It all does. Any anything that anything that uh. Is, it upsets you, I feel like, could be solved with food. The result of eating the weight gain is another thing, right? You know? My girlfriend's like, I'm getting Ozempic. And I'm like, I tried to get Ozempic. You know, we talked about that ages ago. I was like, I tried to get Ozempic. My my shrink said, I'm not prescribing you that medication. It's not for you. He's like, I'm going to prescribe you exercise. Thank you, Elise. I was like, eh, thank you, Dr. Long. Okay, product of the week is a lipstick cover girl uh what is it exhibitionist semi-matte i got it on amazon for like four dollars the reason why it's product of the week is because it stays on like forever okay it's it's matte but it's not crazy drying matte it stayed on my lips i think for 13 hours it's it's a long time i i don't understand people that go to the store and they spend you know thirty nine thousand dollars on a lipstick why I get the idea of maybe wanting a beautiful gold metal case and the whole bit, right? I get spending the money on uh, the face me- the face uh, me- uh, medication, the, the, the face makeup, you know? But lipstick, real? Ah, ah, you know? So anyway, $4, I love it. It comes in crazy colors. It comes 
in hot pink. It comes in uh, like almost like a dark black color. It comes in a hot orange. I've been wearing the hot orange. I love hot orange. My grandmother, my father's mother, my nini, her name was Gloria. Lived in Greenwich Village forever, whole life. She ran around with hot orange lipstick. I'm trying to bring it back. I find it to be very fabulous. The other product is um, Vanny Cream. You know, Vivian, my daughter Vivian has a little eczema. So, you know, we use Vanny Cream that takes away or it lessens, you know, the itching or whatever. Because Vanny Cream has no shit in it. No scent, no perfumes, no formaldehyde, no lanolin, literally nothing. And it's great. So I was at the hairdresser the other day. And she saw I had like some redness on my neck and da da. And she said, you know, Elise, uh, Vanny Cream has now shampoo and conditioner. It used to be called Free and Clear. And it's the same thing. Not, all that stuff is not in it. No, like the, it's absolutely great to use if you have hyper, hyper sensitive skin. I've been using it. I washed my hair, to be honest, four and a half days ago with this new shampoo. My hair is looking great. Got to be honest with you. You know, and, and obviously you don't put the conditioner in the scalp because then that makes it oily. Anyway, okay, I, listen, here's, here's the quote. Here's the quote. This is homage to my girlfriend. There's so many versions of this quote. This one's by W.S. Gilbert. Things are seldom what they seem. Another quote that I really like uh, by James Barry is, I'm not young enough to know everything. Okay. And apparently some guys are too old to know anything. Okay, so let's say that too. Um, finish the book. It's coming out. Book jacket's being worked on. Very excited. Very, very excited about that. Uh, you know, I say I finished it. I was told the tooth, poorly the tooth, you know, my ex. I said to him in passing the other day, I had to, by the way, because I had to go sign my will with him because that's uplifting. And uh, I said, oh, I finished the book. He said, the tooth's like, do you know how many times you told me you finished this book? You, you finished this book a, a thousand times. I said, no, I finished it. And then it had to go to the editor. And then it's like 12 manuscripts back and forth. They said, but it's finished, finished, finished. Now it's finished. And now it's just the cover and, the, you know, whatever all of the uh, mechanics on, on getting it out there. But it will be available on Barnes & Noble and on Amazon, but you will hear a, a whole spiel on on when that happens. I'm Elise DeLucci. This is Crazy Effing Mommy. Thank you for listening. Love to love you, baby. Mm -hmm.